Good morning. My name is Pastor Chris. It is wonderful, wonderful privilege to be here again with you this morning. Woo! And uh, so while we're trying to level me out here a little bit, let me say a couple little things. One, if you were involved at all in service or outreach uh, here yesterday for Super Saturday or the fire pit or the demo in the barn area, can you just stand up? Anybody that was here for Super Saturday yesterday at the church? Of course, the reality is most of those people are out somewhere because it was deacons, right? But if you were here yesterday at all, thank you guys. You guys don't realize. Fantastic. Just fantastic. Thank you so much. We just don't realize how much happens here on Saturdays. We were coming back from the staff retreat and pulled into the parking lot, and there were so many cars here at this church, uh, people being helped with clothes and food, uh, demo happening over at the barn to make it bigger and more efficient over there, and then some of the, the youth and their friends out there painting the new fire pit that we have out there, which is just right out the corner. Fantastic stuff happening here yesterday. So just really appreciated that. You're going to hear more about that in the days ahead. Am I doing anything wrong here? Is it, it's okay. All right. It just seems like a little feedback. But that may just be so. The staff was at a retreat this last weekend and just wanted to let you guys know, just like you grow on a regular basis and you have things to work out and work on, uh, we had some stuff that we needed to grow in and work on as a staff and we had a wonderful retreat. And so we just wanted you to know that your staff is working hard to be the best staff we can be to serve and walk with you through this journey. And uh, I don't need to mention any of the stuff that happened um, we, we got to know a couple of police officers while we were away, but that, we don't need to talk a whole lot about that. And um, we also played some putt-putt while we were away, but we don't need to, to talk about who won that. Um, and uh, so <clears throat> what we do want to talk about is the topic of the day. And as I get into this, I heard a Matt Chandler sermon this last week that applies to our church context. He said this, the person who comes here on Sunday mornings has a certain type of experience. The person who comes here on Sunday mornings is also in a life group or other discipleship experience has a completely different type of experience. And then the person who comes here on Sunday morning is involved in a life group or discipleship opportunity and is involved in some other level of service within the church has yet another completely different experience at the church. So what that third person finds at KPC is that we're really not that big of a church. In fact, it feels like a very regular-sized church filled with people who will care for you and who are worth caring about. Why? Because we are increasingly moving into a space where passion for God intersects compassion for people. And so since late last summer, we've been regrading our foundation and laying layer upon layer to make smooth the way that God is leading us. I use that illustration because just a couple of weeks ago, I was driving in our van, and we got onto some newly laid asphalt. And you know, when you, whenever it feels so good there for just a little while, you, you go from just the normal to and you hit that, hit that place. And Sophie, my oldest daughter, says, Dad, I really like the smooth road because it just can help you relax and you can fall asleep if you want to, and it just feels like you're riding in just the right place. 
And I just thought, what a wonderful illustration of what we're trying to do here is we lay out our vision statement, passion for God, compassion for people. We then moved into our mission statement to deeply experience the love and presence of God in lives of worship, to grow as faithful witnesses to Jesus Christ, and to serve a world hungry for his truth and love. And then more recently, we've been laying out the core values, prayer, worship, discipleship, fellowship, service, outreach, and evangelism. In September, Pastor Neil guided us through the core value of prayer. And just as a, just as a FYI moment, there is an opportunity for you to pray uh, coming up here. Well, there's a lot of opportunities to pray. But on October 12th, Wednesday, October 12th, at the Richmond Capitol Grounds, uh, Franklin Graham is coming to the state on his national tour to just kind of pray for America. It's at noon that Wednesday, October 12th. If any of you have the time or the ability or can go and, and take part in that, uh, I think we would all agree it's a great idea to pray for our country. And so that's what he's doing as he travels around. Just wanted you to know that. Uh, after Pastor Neil preached on prayer, Pastor Steve uh, walked us through the core value of worship. And then we had a wonderful message last week with Stephanie Black. And so now we are back into this vein of thought. And my task is to walk us through discipleship. It's a slightly predictable one for me. Uh, but as a discipleship pastor, here I am. I had an entire sermon laid out in my mind. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And I came in Tuesday before we left for the retreat. And I was walking through it and working through it and refining it and revising it. And it just didn't sit right. And so Tuesday night before the session meeting, I came and I was sitting there looking at my computer screen, and I said, Lord, this isn't, this isn't working. I mean, I could go ahead and do this, but it just... I said, what do you want me to say? And 10 minutes later, I had a completely different message. So that's what we're going to go with today. And um, still, on t still on discipleship, so it's not totally radical or anything like that, but it's just a different way to talk about it. I want to tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to walk you through what it's going to feel like a glorified Bible study, an overwhelming amount of Scripture, and it's very intentional. We're going to look at the Gospel of Mark. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. If you have your app, you can go ahead and swipe there and uh, go ahead and pull up the Gospel of Mark for you. It's the second Gospel in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark. And what we're going to do is we're going to just look at this sentence. Discipleship is learning to fill in the blank. And we're just going to look at just... All these passages we're going to look at could be entire sermons, but they're all going to fit into the narrative of this sermon. So I'm not going to expound on them a lot. Don't feel like, oh my goodness, this is taking forever. It's actually, it's, it's going to flow quickly. It's going to be okay. Breathe. It's going to be all right. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. Discipleship is learning to follow Jesus. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. 
If you look back at the Greek, just a little side about this, when Jesus says, follow me, a lot of times we couch that in invitation language, like, yeah, you know, come on, let's go to the park or something. In the Greek, this is a present tense imperative. It's a command. It's not optional from Jesus' perspective. So Jesus is seeing these guys fishing, and I want you to see it as the same urgency. Imagine your house is on fire, and you crawl, because you're supposed to crawl, to your kid's room, and you open the door, and the kids are looking at you, and they're scared, and you say, follow me. It's not an option. You follow me. You know, it's not like, hey, you know, if you have time and if you want to think about it, if you're a little freaked out about the flames that are shooting up all around you, you know, if you want to follow me, you can follow me. No, it's, you follow me. You, you come right now and follow me. That's what Jesus brought to this moment. So it was uh, just, just so you know. So discipleship is learning to follow Jesus. Two chapters later, Mark chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. And Jesus appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. Discipleship is learning to be with Jesus. You see how fast it is to read past that? That Jesus appointed the 12 so that they might be with him. If you just let that sink into the deepness of who you are, before he ever gets to what they need to do, before he equips them to do anything, he appointed them to just be with him. So discipleship is following Jesus, being with Jesus. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, Jesus said to them, If anyone would take after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake... And the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So discipleship is learning to lose your life for Jesus. Mark chapter 11 Verse 15, discipleship is learning to lead like Jesus. Mark eleven fifteen. and they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. Just, just that verse. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. Just Jesus. He wouldn't allow anyone. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. So the disciples were with Jesus. They came into Jerusalem. And then Jesus, by himself, steps up into the temple and does what needs to be done. And they all watched. And no one dared. And then at the end of the day, all those that were in opposition rose up and they left the city. Discipleship is learning to lead like Jesus. The next chapter, chapter 12, 
verses 28 through 34, discipleship is learning to love like Jesus. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing Jesus answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask him any more questions. So, so far, we're halfway through. We've learned that a discipleship is following Jesus, learning to follow Jesus, learning to be with Jesus, learning to lose your life for Jesus, learning to lead like Jesus, learning to love like Jesus. Mark chapter 14, what we just got done doing. Discipleship is learning to commune with Jesus. And as they were eating, he took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them saying, take, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. Disciples just learning to commune with Jesus. Later in Mark chapter 14, verses 26 through 31, actually right after that, and when they had sung a hymn, I remember the first time I read that, and I thought, what? There's actually hymns in the Bible? That was so strange. But it's right there. So, sorry, side note. But it literally is right there. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to, him, to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And good old Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But Peter said emphatically, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. So discipleship is learning to hear Jesus. And see, these disciples did not hear him. They listened to him. They didn't, they didn't hear him. How much pain would have been saved if they had listened and really heard what Jesus was saying that day? Mark chapter 15, verses 27 through 32. And when they crucified him, or, and with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who, who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. So let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. And those who crucified him also reviled him. How does Chris Greenwood know he's not Jesus? Because I would have come down from that cross. 
and I would have laid waste to all of humanity, that they would dare mock me as I'm sitting there dying for them. But thank goodness I'm not Jesus. So what can I learn from that? Discipleship is learning to stand firm like Jesus when literally everyone is against you and you're doing what you have to do. Stand firm like Jesus. A little bit later in that chapter, 37 through 39, and Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the Son of God. Discipleship is learning to glorify God like Jesus. See, there was only one person that got glory in that moment. It was the very person Jesus was endeavoring to bring glory to. Right after that, in Mark 15, just last two here, 42 through 46, and when evening had come since it was the day of preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph bought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Discipleship is learning to be buried with Jesus. But, chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw the stone had been rolled back, and it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. And they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, whom was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going on before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Because you see, discipleship is not just learning to be buried with Jesus. It's also learning to be raised to newness of life with Jesus. And that, dear church, is just some of what we can learn from the greatest man who ever was, is, and always will be. And so when I think about discipleship, I want to let you know that defining words is always going to be very important. And I want you to know that my long version definition of discipleship is this. One follower of Christ pouring himself or herself into another follower of Christ, with the end goal being that both would grow in, hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit through the Scriptures, 
believing in faith what they're being told from the Scriptures, and grounded in love, willingly obeying the counsel of the Spirit of God as revealed by the Scriptures, all of which, when combined together, will increasingly conform them both to the image of the invisible God, Jesus Christ. That's my long form. Because that's a lot of words, let me give you my short form. Discipleship is the building of godly identity, one person at a time. See, when we understand who we are, it will rightly inform what we are to do. But it has to be in that order, or it will all get messed up. Godly identity needs to be found in and founded on the name which is above every name. Why? Because it is his name that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is without a doubt fully and completely and wholly and entirely Lord of kings and King of lords. So this morning, as we get ready to just wind this thing on down, what problem do you have that the name of Jesus does not answer? For what situation in our world does his name not offer hope? We say that his name is above every other name, but do we really believe that? Is fear greater than his name? Is anger greater than his name? Is racism greater than his name? Is political pragmatism greater than his name? Is going by the label Republican or Democrat greater than his name? Are anxiety or stress greater than his name? Are bitterness, offense, unforgiveness, or slander greater than his name? Are envy, jealousy, gossip, or sarcasm greater than his name? Is there a damaged relationship, estranged family member, destructive relationship in your life that is greater than his name? What name do you too often and too easily place above the name of Jesus? Let me encourage you to make this real. Don't just sit here and listen to Pastor Chris talk over and over and over again. I want you to think, what is it that is in your life right now that you have elevated above the name of Jesus? I want you to name it right now. Own it. What is the problem? What is the situation? What is the, the, the topic that you have allowed to have more power than the name of Jesus. I want you to think about that for just a couple of seconds because right now you know there's something popping into your head. There's something in this world, there's something in your life, there's something in your past, there's something in your future. Something is more powerful than the name of Jesus to you. You don't really want to admit that, especially not in the church, but you've given it all kinds of power. But let me remind you about the power of his name, if I can, for just a moment. And then we're going to sing a final song in celebration of this. His name is power. His name is majesty. His name is grace. His name is mercy. His name is strength and truth and victory. His name is yes. His name is love. His name is holy. His name is life. His name is freedom. His name is the way. His name is hope, and it's joy, 
and it's personal. Do you want me to keep going? I can keep going. I have a few more here. His name is healing. His name is good. His name is victory. His name is kindness. His name is comfort. His name is justice. His name is deliverance. His name is patience. His name is peace. And his name is glorious. His name is glorious. There's a very real sense of allowing things to rise above that name, which we say is the name above every other name. And so this morning, as we think about how to close this service, we didn't have time to talk through the sermon, so we're a smidge early, and I just want just to allow space as the altar ministers can come on up, because as exuberant as we can be in song, sometimes we can, as Louis Giglio once said, we can, we can run past the cross and we can just try to talk ourselves into something that we don't quite believe yet because there's a huge roadblock there. And so this morning, whatever that thing was that came to your mind and whatever that thing that has risen above the name of Jesus is, there are people here that want to pray with you about that because his name is glorious. And so there is something about our will joining with the will of God to do his will that is an amazing, amazing thing. But don't let that thing, whatever it was, stop you in this moment. So maybe the worship team can just play something quietly in the background and we're just going to allow a little bit of space for people if you want to be prayed for if you want to pray with people you can i know it's hard to honor a sacred space when there's a gazillion of us out here and so where's pastor steve where, where are you come over here for a second pastor steve let me ask you something Do you think we should just allow some time for people to just do some stuff? Or do you think we should go ahead and do a benediction? Okay. Okay. We're just going to open this up for prayer for a little while. So if you just want to sit down and pray, if you want to just, we'll have a benediction in just a couple of minutes. But we don't want to, we don't want to run past this moment, okay? There are people here. And if you guys want to do a reprise, if you guys want to do whatever you want to do back here, just kind of keep it a little bit low. Because... Come to the altar. Come to this place. Meet with Jesus. And be free from whatever that name is this morning. We're going to let some space happen.
as people continue to be prayed for, just let that continue to happen. It's perfectly fine. Ministry happens and healing happens. His name is power and majesty and grace and mercy and strength and truth and victory. It is yes. It is love. It is holy. It is life. It is freedom. It is the way. It is hope. It is joy. It is personal. It is healing. It is good. It is victory. It is kindness. It is comfort. It is justice. It is deliverance. It is patience. It is glorious. And it is peace. It is peace. In this world, you will have troubles. But take heart. For his name has overcome the world. It's good, good, good news this morning. If you all would just stand to your feet, we're going to continue to let people be prayed for, and it's going to work itself out here up front. As you leave the sanctuary this morning, understand that discipleship is the very thing that helps you understand all those things about Jesus' name. The Word of God and the study of the Word of God, the working of the Spirit of God as you do those things brings you to a place where you can stand and say, His name is above every other name. Receive the benediction and then be blessed with a wonderful day now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only one, the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Be encouraged, church. Be very encouraged.